The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by OddsCrowd. OddsCrowd has a ton of free betting contests, including a $2,000 year-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. Also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you by Pick a free pick every day for every sport. Check out their expert plays and betting news at PicksWise.com. That's PicksWise.com. And finally, we also wanted to let you know about our Sports Gambling Podcast Masters Contest. We are giving away $500 in our Masters Daily Fantasy Sports Contest that is completely free to enter. Just go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Masters. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Masters. Back again, back up in your degenerate, filthy, dirty ear holes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome back, or welcome here for the first time, episode 27. I don't know why it took you so long to hit us up. If you haven't listened to the first 26, there's some gold, gold material in there. And some winning picks the past few episodes, too. So um, you did yourself a disservice, people. Um, I am your host, Jeff Fox. I edit and write for Sports Gambling Podcast, and I run the MMA site, mma-manifesto.com. And I come to you from beautiful Ontario, where the weather is finally nice, but we're entering for a four-week stay-at-home shutdown, which is going to be lots of fun. And to make matters worse, my wife just bought electric hair clippers, and she's been watching videos on how to cut men's hair. So that's uh, if there are any religious um, listeners out there, I ask for you to pray for me. Um, there's a lot of talk about you can just put a hat on your head if it doesn't, if I screw up, you know. So it's going to be an interesting four weeks, to say the least. Um, my co-host is not in such a dire straits, I don't think, at least, at least not follically. Uh, that would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the host of Top Turtle MMA the host of Prelim Picker, both those are podcasts. I guess I'll call him a co-host here, or a associate host. There's Sports do this instead of assistant coaches. I think they have associate coaches now, so we'll call Dan an associate post, uh, host, not a post, a host. Um, and he's a purple belt in, in jiu-jitsu, and he hit a plus 275 bat a few weeks ago. <laughs> Right? Is that that's your resume, right? Yeah, only you're like taking my entry material away if you start putting that in the header. Uh I, I can't I can't bring it up later when I talk about how good I am with underdogs. Also if you notice so to bring it back to your point about being an associate uh co host or an associate host, have you also noticed that sports now have a lot of coordinators? Even sports that I didn't think needed coordinators. And then like the sports that I thought needed coordinators, like football they don't just have offensive and defensive coordinators anymore. They have, like, pass game coordinators and, like, blitz coordinators. And, like, their coordinators have coordinators. I could be a podcast host coordinator. 
Yeah, I don't think <laughs> our budget is quite the same level as um, as, as professional sports teams who seem to have money to burn that they can they have to make up positions of like coordinator of coordinators to uh, to spend some of the public's money. So um, it, it's a good idea. Maybe if you want to do it on a volunteer basis, definitely you could be a podcast coordinator for SGP. I I think on the volunteer basis, I'll pass. All right, I figured so. See, he, he he comes off as a nice guy on the podcast, folks, but when push comes to shove, he's not so great after all. Um, this is going to be a great podcast, though, because we actually have some fights to talk about this week. Last week, we talked about some minor league show called Bellator, and I think a fake organization called One Championship. Um, <laughs> but now we got the good old UFC, who's going to be packing stadiums soon. We got them back. Um, for an event on ABC, no less. Um, it's a very big fight card. It, uh, we're, we're at 14, a 14 fight lineup. Uh, we were at 15. One fight fell off, which actually, I, I hope neither of the fighters have COVID or, or any in their camp has COVID. Um, the fight fell off due to COVID reasons, but I'm sort of relieved because it was, uh, one half of that fight was the name of a fighter that I didn't want to try to try to pronounce because I don't think it was going to turn out too well. Do you know how to say his name, Dan? It, let, let me try this because I did actually practice leading up and I was like, ooh, Kyle Dawkins' opponent is very tricky. It's Ali yeah. Saab Kizriev. Oh my gosh, he nailed it. See, yeah. there is we there do is a little pre-production a, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do put a little pre-production into our our podcast. It, sometimes I say names out loud also. And my <laughs> son my son asked me what's that? And I'm like, "Oh, it's a person's name." Um and the rest of our pre-production basically was summed up in an email I sent Dan a day or two ago just make sure we're on the same page as to who qualifies for as hashtag chunky guys on on this week's card. <laughs> And and, but, and I don't know if you saw a picture of Kizriev. I, I know he fights down at middleweight or, or maybe even welterweight. I think it's a middle that was going to be a middleweight. Middleweight, fight. yeah. He he has a, a stature about him that is I wouldn't say a chunky guy, but we might we might need to add like hashtag dad bod or something because chunky uh, guys only usually exist at, at heavyweight or very right. rarely light heavyweight. But he might have been like a lighter weight chunky guy uh, or like a dad bod guy. He was very oddly. Uh, shit. No body shaming here. No body shaming. But he had a shape not many fighters have. No. <laughs> yeah, we do it out of love. Dan loves the Chucky guys and betting on them. Um, yeah, we do have another dad bod on, on this uh, fight card, so we're not totally lost on the dad bods. And we may have one or two dad bods talking in your dirty, filthy ear holes right now, too. Um, <laughs> who, who's to say? Um so yeah, all is not lost. Um, I'm sad to hear that that we may have lost a hashtag chunky guy potentially on this card, but hopefully that fight will just get bumped down the road a bit. And I'll say Alice Kabob, uh, <laughs> Kizriev, Alice Alice Kabob, Kizriev. There's actually another fun name coming up too, who is fighting John McDessie. So um, maybe we'll just jump right in. Is there was there any news within the past few days that you think we should hit on? I don't think anything exciting really happened I mean, in the just, past couple just of days. consistently the UFC killing it with matchmaking. I, every it's single day true. I feel like I, I check out if, if you don't if you're a UFC fan and you don't follow uh Big Marcel twenty four, Marcel Dorf, uh 
the dude's got all of the fight announcements and, and usually a better uh, grasp of who's fighting on which UFC card than the UFC's website does. Um, so, like, I just kept refreshing his feed over the last few weeks, and every single time I do, I expect to see a match where I'm like, come on. Uh, and I don't. I just keep seeing ones that I love, like Jeff Neal versus uh, Neil Magny got booked. I'm into that. Miranda Maverick versus Macy Barber got booked. I mean, yeah. that, mostly because I think that, Macy Barber going to face punched in. Um, yeah, I thought I thought they liked they thought they liked her and they're starting to drop. But they're they're feeding her to another wolf apparently. Yeah, they they and also another wolf who can beat her the same way she's been beat too. Right. right? Like yeah. Like exactly what Roxanne Modafari did to her. A younger in 30 times more athletic version is going to do to her next Yes, time. exactly, yeah. Yeah, we we crap on the UFC a lot when they, for all the nonstop wrongs that, that they commit. But, yeah, I think we, we talked on air. I mean, it might have been off air, but we, we talked about how great the matchmaking has been lately. And it's, yeah, like like you said, every every day there seems to be better matchups. And while Big Marcel is a good follow, also you should check out the MMA fight announcement tracker on mma-manifesto.com obviously i run that every maybe every week or so and i just basically list every fight that was that's been announced um in the ufc and any big one that's been announced in in the uh, other quote-unquote big mma promotions so but yeah it's uh, they've been hitting out of the park for sure with um with matchups um including this this coming this coming week um segue into that because there's it may not be star-studded, and it may have been hit a bit with with COVID, but it's uh, it's it's a very very nice card. Um, so yeah, like like I said, it's a big fight card, so we should probably hop into for that. Out. Let me tell you about our friends at WinBet, a tradition like any other. The Masters is back, and WinBet is a perfect app if you're looking to get in on all the golf action. Not the golfing type. Don't worry, WinBet has all the best odds for your daily M- MLB, NHL, and NBA action. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. And make sure you check out their NBA odds for the Phoenix Suns, who are an amazing team, and they always have them favored. So, um, And if you are into golf, make sure you check out sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We've got a ton of Masters ton of masters um coverage um like previews and gambling uh, uh advice and we got some amazing people covering golf over on the site there so check it out um okay let's jump right into the card which is now called UFC on ABC Vittori versus Holland also known as UFC and ABC 2 also known as UFC Vegas 23 i think it's also UFC Fight Night something also UFC Fight Night 190 maybe 191 it's got to be right um, around there yeah somewhere around there <laughs> so uh as the title um suggests it will be on abc tv in the united states which is a big deal it's their second time on abc recently after basically their first um they're back on on network uh tv uh, since their fox deal uh went away many years ago so um they're back, and of note, it is a afternoon fight card for the folks on the East Coast, um, I guess early morning for you folks at last. And if you're in another part of the world, you, you're going to have to figure this out on your own because I'm not doing the math on the fly. Um, so it starts at noon. That would be the prelims, and they would be on ESPN Plus, noon Eastern, because 
Eastern time zone is the best time zone, right, Dan? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> there we agree on – we're agreeing already. It could be a boring podcast. And then uh, the main card, which is on, like I said before, ABC or ESPN Plus if you're elsewhere in the world, or TSN if you're up here in the lockdown Canada, um, 3 o'clock p.m., and it's coming from the UFC Apex in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so let's get right to it, shall we? We'll start with the um, – Welterweight matchup, there are quite a few uh, fun names on this card um, for a host or an associate host to, to try to pronounce that. Ipa Kasana Gang. Kasana I add an extra G. Kasana Impa is uh, fighting Sasha Palet- Paletnikov. Um, Welterweights. Um, Let's break that one down. Um, we'll talk with um, we'll do Sasha's uh, stats and info first. He is six and two with three knockouts, one low in the UFC. He has won two straight fights. He will be two inches taller. And I'm unveiling a new stat. Uh, who is the most more active striker of the two? Uh, I crunched the numbers for 2021 to see if um, a fighter that lands the most punches is more successful or not. You would think they would be. Um, so I wanted to put it to the test. So I went to fight metric or I think it's called UFC stats now. And I checked on uh fighters, average strikes land per minute and whether they beat an opponent with less strikes land per minute on average heading into a fight. So where do you think the numbers landed in that stat, Dan, approximately what percent, uh, what's the winning percentage of a, Fighter who's generally more active, a striker. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it leans to the person who's more active, but I'm gonna say probably not as much as you would think because sometimes fighters rack up like a ton of strikes against somebody who's garbage, yep. uh, and then that'll skew their stats for a while. So I'll say, uh, the guy with more volume wins sixty-two percent of the time. Uh, I thought it would be that high. It's fifty-six. Fifty-six okay. percent. Yeah. So, of my eleven different categories of stats I use to try to pick fights. It comes right in about the middle, the sixth, so or seventh actually. So it, it it's a uh you know it's something to think of and it, it is, you know, fifty six percent is nothing to sneeze at. So um so that was like I jammed that little sidebar in there because um Palatnikov is the more active striker of the two in this fight. Uh he also has the grappling stats in his favor, which is fifty eight percent um favorite um for winning a fight, so he's got a couple of things in his favor. He does not have the stat line, the uh, betting odds in his favor, unless you want to bet on him. Obviously, uh, plus two thirty, he comes in at when I did these uh, the other day. Um, Impa eight and one in the UFC, two submissions. All the rest are not in the UFC. I'm sorry, eight and one as a pro, two submissions. Everything else is a decision for him. So you may, if despite who you pick in this fight, you may want to go. Uh, it going the decision um, because um, Palatnikov's only finished half of his opponents. Uh, Impa's finished what a quarter of his opponents, so it's not a huge finish rate, which is kind of surprising because they're not super lightweight guys or anything. Um, so Impa, a lot of sidebars uh, in this. I still haven't made it through the first fight yet. Yikes! Uh, Impa, one and one in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight. Uh, he won twice on Dana White Contender Series. He's three inches, uh, has three inches of reach in his advantage. He's five years younger. He's a very healthy minus 300 favorite. Uh, what are you thinking on this one? The prelim king, Dan? 
I think even though I was kind of hoping the number would come in a little bit closer because uh, I, I do think Ipa Kasangane is, is a pretty clear-cut pick here. Um, I expected him to be a healthy favorite despite the fact he's coming off of that jumping, spinning back kick knockout that's like going to be played on highlight reels until the end of time, sadly for him. Um, but but there's like lots of reasons to love Ipa Kasangane, right? Like, first of all, I think if you ran him back with Joaquin Buckley, he beats Joaquin Buckley. Like, I know that that fight will forever be on highlight reels, but it's not because Buckley was a better fighter than him. It's because he landed one of the most ridiculous kicks I've ever seen. And you could almost say the exact opposite thing about Sasha Palatnikov, because, like, he was fighting Luis Koske, and if Koske didn't gas himself out trying to finish Palatnikov, he would have won that fight, right? Like, he was he was murdering Palatnikov. Um, and, and he's not the first person to, like, stun Sasha Palatnikov either because Mornir Lezez did back when they fought in UAE Warriors. And, and Mornir Lezez is, is pretty legit, too. He's a guy who's been in the UFC. He's got a winner, too. Um, but, like, I, I think Impa Kasangane being, A, a much more composed fighter than you saw Luis Koske be, I actually think he's a better striker. He's probably got the advantages in all the right places here against Palatnikov. He's a great counter striker, which, you know, you mentioned Palatnikov is more active. I think that that actually plays really well into to Kasangane's hands. Um, and then you add in the fact that Impa has been working at Sanford MMA for the first time. And not that I hated his old gym, Jim O, but like he's just got a lot of great training partners now and a lot more great training partners for him to work with. I think you're going to see an improved version of him. Uh, and I think just he kind of outclasses Platnikov on the feet here. There you go. I was thinking Platnikov, but that, a number that huge, and you know, I, I know Kasangane is is a. Uh, I, I was a uh, impressed with him, um, regardless of him getting knocked out. So yeah, I'm thinking I'm going chalk in this one too. Um, not a big fan of minus 300, but we have to pet bet on every fight because we're degenerates. And we have to bet 100 dollars in every fight. In case you're new to the show, that that is the rules. Uh, as a listener, you basically you're in a non. Uh, actually, it is a binding contract. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> if you listen, you have to bet a hundred dollars in every fight, um, and you should follow our advice also on every fight. Uh, moving right along to the next fight, you have to bet on light heavyweights. Um, Dan Young versus William Knight. Um, William Knight was actually just supposed to fight a few weeks back against the Alonzo Manyfield, I believe, and that fell through, but now he's got a new opponent here. So Knight, uh, 9-1 as a pro with eight knockouts, 1-0 in the UFC, 2-0 on Contender Series. He's won three straight fights. He is taking this on short notice, which um, is actually a big factor in in picking winners for fights. Late replacement fighters have only won 35% of the time since 2020, so that's something to keep in mind there. Um, but he was uh, in camp, you would have thought, because like I said, he had a fight scheduled a few weeks back. Um, and he is, uh, has the grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus 108. Um, his opponent, uh, Young, or Jung, if you prefer, uh, he's 13-2-1, 10 knockouts, 2 submissions, so he, he is a finisher. He's 2-0-1 in the UFC. Uh, the one in that was his last fight where he drew. He got a draw. Um, I believe this Sam Alvey, who's also on this card. Um, he's gone 13 straight fights undefeated. Um, so he had 12 wins before that draw. So 13 straight. Um, six inches taller, five inches of reach, five years younger. He's slightly, slightly act, more active uh, striker of the two. He's at minus 135. Uh, I think I'll go chalk on this, but looking at 
article in, in my website. I think Dan is going to go with the underdog, or at least he wrote an article about the underdog, at least. Yeah, spoiler alert, I like uh, so, William Knight quite a bit in this fight. You didn't um, You didn't against Menefield, I remember, Yeah, right? and I, I'll tell you why. So, I, first of all, I think I broke down Alonzo Menefield versus William Knight 355 yes. times between, I think I did it twice on the prelim primer and once here, uh, and then the fight never happened, so... Uh, but but my big problem with, with William Knight against Alonzo Menafield is William Knight puts himself in bad positions. That's a fact. If you look at his fight on the Contender Series, he put himself in bad positions and just powered out. He was in a bad position or two against Alexa Kamer, just powered out. Because he's massively, massively strong for a dude, even at light heavyweight. And, and against Alonzo Menafield, as we kind of saw against Fabio Chiron, Menafield is a guy who is technical and takes advantage of people when they make mistakes. Uh, and I think that that, you know, proved itself. Like, he, he, the guy made a mistake in the grappling department. He put him to sleep with a Von Flew choke. I, I thought William Knight was ripe for the picking by Alonzo Menafield for that reason. I don't feel that way about Daun Jung, though, because if you look at his fight with Sam Elvey, by all accounts, he had won rounds one and two against Sam Elvey. And he goes out there and just has, like, literally no urgency against Sam Elvey and, and actually almost looked tired. Um, and not for anything, William Knight, like I said before, is a guy who is very strong, but he also has surprisingly a good gas tank for a guy with as much many muscles as he has. So, like, I'm worried that Daung Jung is just, like, not the right type of guy to take advantage of those William Knight gaffes in the fight. So, I actually think Knight and his physicality here probably get by due to the fact that Jung is a little bit tentative. Um, and, and that's silly for me to say because he's not always been tentative. Like, he looked good against Mike Rodriguez. But if if the strength and power of Sam Alvey scared you off, I do worry about how you're going to feel about the strength and power of William Knight. I think I'm going to go chalk, though. It's, it's all, good, all good points. But I think I'm going to go different than you. And I'm going to go chalk. Um, I like his finishing ability. And I like his undefeated streak. And I like his he's way uh, way uh, more, more larger, more bigger man. Learn how to speak. He, he's he's a bigger man of the two. Uh, half a half a uh, foot of height and five inches of reach, and he's younger. So I, I think, um, even though your your um, technical breakdown is far more advanced than, than my uh, handicapping here, I'm still going to go with the South Korean. So there you go. We got one difference. So um, see if we differ here. I don't think we're going to. Um, so I just actually published an article about one of these guys on MMA-Manifesto <laughs> written by a Daniel Vreeland. That would be a featherweight fight between Luis Saldana. Um, spoiler alert, Dan wrote about him uh, versus Jordan Griffin. Um, Mr. Griffin, 18-8 and eight, with five knockouts and nine submissions. So we got another finisher here. Uh, we, both these guys are finishers, so... Go for the finish if you want to prop that in this one. Uh, he's 1-3 in the UFC. He lost his last fight. He's 1-0 on Dana White's Contender Series. Grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus 120. Saldana, 14-6. Seven knockouts, seven submissions. So he's finished everyone. He has fought, and you can't get more well-rounded than seven knockouts, seven submissions. Uh, he got his way into the UFC off the Contender Series, and this will be his debut, right? In the yes. UFC? This yes, will be okay. found on his yep. first fight in the UFC. Yeah, I didn't write debut, but it definitely is his debut. He's won four straight fights, all via stoppage. He is an inch taller and one year younger, so not much um, to say about that. 
very limited uh, stats for these guys because Sodano's got one fight under the uh, under the UFC umbrella uh, technically because he was on Contender Series, but he's three times more active a striker than Griffin. But like I said, grain of salt on that. He's also got the striking stats in his favor. So all the all the striking stats and grappling stats basically you can pretty much throw out the window because we're talking one fight sample size. And he's at minus 150. I'm taking him, and unless Dan lied to all my readers of MMA Manifesto, he uh, he's taking him also. Yeah, I'd love Saldana, to be honest with you. I, I, and I think this is an absolute nightmare of the matchup for Jordan Griffin, and I'm shocked the odds are as close as they are. Because for me, Saldana's got a bunch of things going for him here. First of all, Jordan Griffin isn't going to win a fight unless it hits the mat. Right, like I love Jordan Griffin. I think he's a very fun grappler. Um, that Marcella team that he hit on TJ Brown was so fun to watch. But at the same time, he's just not going to win a fight that stays standing. And he's fighting a long, rangy kickboxer type who can who seems like he's hitting you with, with broomsticks from that distance because he's so hard to get on the inside of. And if you've actually watched him on the regional scene too, he he's got some really great body lock takedowns in some hip throws and stuff like that. Like, he's also a decent wrestler in his own right. So if this stays on the feet, he's going to torch him, and I actually think he does a good enough job keeping it on the feet. And that's if Jordan Griffin ever gets on the inside, which I think is going to be a big if for him, because Luis Saldana is very good at keeping range. So I expect Luis Saldana to be at range, absolutely pick apart Jordan Griffin, and probably knock him out. And he may have tipped his hand for his lock of the week there also. He says he likes the line, which I do as well. So um, you also like uh, the lines you see. Oh, how's that for a segue? The lines you see over at uh, Odds Crowd. Um, Odds Crowd has plenty of free contests, including a $500 weekly contest and a $2,000 season-long MLB contest. They don't actually have um, odds, but it's more fantasy betting type of stuff. Um, but they're not just fantasy betting. It's a social app built just for sports bettors. It's free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. Download the app for free or go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. And we are also brought to you by pickswise.com, held by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring, sports-fanatic wise guys, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction on every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. NBA, MLB, and NHL, whatever the sport, they have you covered with free analysis and, more importantly, free picks. Plus, they have all the betting news you need and expect an expert, excuse me, best bets. Head over to PicksWise.com for all the free picks that you need. That's PicksWise.com. All right, so we differed on one so far, and we um, like the other two um, fights to, to go the same way. All right, moving along, who do we got next here? We've got... Another band, uh, actually not another band away fight. The first band away fight. Um, Hunter Azur versus Jack Shore. This is a, this is a exciting matchup here. Azur is nine and one with three knockouts and one submission, two and one in the UFC. He won his last fight, so he won one, lost one, won one. Uh, streak going on here. He's, uh, one and oh on the contender series also. He's the more active striker of the two. He's at plus 120. As for Jack Shore, he's 13-0 and 0 with four knockouts and eight submissions. 2-0 uh, in the UFC, both via submission, uh, two inches of reach, three years of youth on, in his favor, striking and grabbing stats in his favor, minus 150. Uh, I'm going chalk again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to follow you on this one, too. I, I like Jack Shore quite a bit in this fight. And, and there are things I like about Hunter Asia. I, I think the fact that he moved to fight ready uh, or back to fight ready or with the coaches again from fight ready because he used to be at the lab actually is a good move for him. He works with better wrestlers and he's getting back to his wrestling base. 
But I actually think the wrestling base is a really bad matchup against a guy like Jack Shore. Because first of all, Jack Shore's got decent takedown defense. And in addition to that, also has a good guillotine if you're shooting in on him. He's got a triangle choke finish that he can hit you with. He's good with sweeps. He's a great grappler. I think, you know, probably the people who are going to give him the most trouble in the UFC and, and threaten that, that undefeated record are people who force him to stand with them and, and maybe are a little bit more polished on the feet. And for me, that's just not Hunter Azure. I, I think Azure is a good wrestler. There's a chance he might get some control time uh, on the top. But ultimately, I just don't think being at a disadvantage on the feet and being at a, you know, like a, a submission grappling disadvantage while maybe being at a wrestling advantage is just going to be too much for Asia. I expect Shore to – I'm going to go out on a limb here and be specific with the submission. I say he gets a guillotine finish here. Oh, not just a submission, but a guillotine. All right, there you go. That is a uh, prop bet for you right there, ladies and gentlemen. Very nice. Um, all right, moving right along, we've got – this is one of the um, fights we had to discuss in pre-production because we had a, it's a heavyweight fight, and we have to make sure we're – we're on the same page. We may not have uh, be on the same page for all our picks, but we will be on the same page when it comes to Chunky guys. Um, <laughs> this would be a heavyweight fight. Jorgen DeCastro, Georges Danho. Now, DeCastro, definitely a Chunky guy, right? We're agreeing a- on that one, right? Absolutely. He's, he's no. very much a Chunky. Although he used to fight at light heavyweight, I will say. He was not yeah. a Chunky guy at light heavyweight. Now, Danho is a bit of uh, – I think we're debating this one a bit. Um, every picture you see of him, he seems to be sucking his gut in, um, <laughs> a la um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, for the one person listen that knows who Hiroshi Tanahashi is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think he's trying to hide something, Dan. I think he's trying to hide that he's a chunky guy. So I think we're going to hashtag, hashtag chunky guy both these guys. Yeah, I, I definitely think hashtag chunky guy for both of these guys. And, and the other thing, too, and, and I'm sure you're about to give us the lowdown, Yep. Judging Zano has is always second in in those pictures. Those pictures are all also at least five years old because that's how long it's been since we've seen him. <laughs> really? Has he been? Has he been out that long? I I, I might have overlooked that, but let's, um, let's, I'm going to get the intro to look it up right now. See when the last time the Man Mountain, Josh's <laughs> Dan Hole fought. Yeah, I, I got it right um, in front of me. His last fight was against Christian Colombo at UFC oh, Fight Night '93. On on September third, twenty sixteen. Oh my lord! I was thinking about leaning towards him, but I am not now. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's something. That's another stat that we um, like to throw around is how long people have been out and whether that makes a difference. Uh, it doesn't make a huge difference. Uh, people who have been out uh, more than a year have won forty seven percent of the time, but this is far more than a year. Um, let's, let's break it down. Uh, he's five one and one and one. So he's five wins, one loss, one draw, one no contest. Um, all his wins are via finish. Four knockouts, one submission. Uh, he's never been finished himself. So basically, this is uh, more more likely than not, this fight is going to uh, end before the 15 minutes are out. Um, he's 0-1-1 in the UFC. He drew his last fight, which was five years ago. Um, he's three inches taller, more active striker. Grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus 220. Uh, DeCastro is a chunky guy. I actually have that in my notes. I, it says chunky, just so everyone knows. I'm not uh, just doing this on the fly. I actually do research. Um, he's 6-2 and two with five knockouts. He's also never been finished. So, yeah, I, we're hitting a lot of good good props, uh, bet possibilities here. This is another one that you're not going to – you want to bet uh, it ends within the 15 minutes. Um, he's 1-2 in the UFC. He lost his last two fights after winning his debut. He also won on the Contender Series. He's three years younger, 
minus 290. I was thinking about going against him, but no, I, I can't uh, at this point. So I will take the minus 290, sadly. I don't like numbers that high, especially for heavyweights, but I got to bet in every fight. So Yeah, I, I don't like the numbers that high, too, on DeCastro, who it seems like his biggest issue is just that, like, he's gotten into his last two fights and not been particularly active. Um, and even if you go back to his win, I, I mean, like, he landed that punch moving backwards. Uh, and that that worries me a little bit at heavyweight. But against the guy who who got outstruck by Christian Colombo, who I don't think to be a particularly good striker and hasn't fought in five years, I mean, like, I just feel – I would feel so silly picking Jarjigstano. So – I have to imagine, though, that this is a fight that they set up to be like, okay, Jorgen DeCastro, if you are actually the guy who knocked out Justin Tapa, please stand back up. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it, you know, like, th- this is probably the end of his road if he loses to a guy on a, a five-year layoff. But, yeah, I, I can't see any path to victory for a guy who's hasn't fought since 2016. Yeah, and this is not a silly podcast, so we will not be making silly bets. <laughs> uh, we will not be making silly jokes the whole time. This is a very serious thing that we're doing here. So, yeah, we're both going with DeCastro in here in the battle of the of the chunky guys. And we've got a fun name coming up. Oh, and we have a Canadian also. I was going through my head wondering if there's a Canadian I could bet against. And I forgot about this man. John McG- McDessie is back at lightweight, um, fresh off an appearance on the Top Turtle MMA podcast. He's fighting Ignacio Bahamondes. Bahamondes. You nailed it. Bahamondes? Yeah. All right, there we go. Where is Ignacio, Ignacio Bahamondes? Where is he from? Uh, Ignacio Bahamondes, is he from, is it like, uh, no, it's Chile. He's Chile. Uh, Chile. Chile. And Dan, notice Dan didn't say Chile, he said Chile. Listen to this guy. <laughs> wow. Showing me up. Uh, you may have to get promoted uh, from coordinator. You may actually have to be associate uh, host after that. <laughs> All right, let's go with the Canadian, um, who I always like to fade. Uh, 17 and 7 with nine knockouts, uh, so he's a finisher. 10 and 7 in the UFC. He has been out for over a year, uh, just barely over a year, 13 months, March of 2020. He lost his last fight, but he won three straight before then. He's at plus 155, and he, like I said, he was a guest on Top Turtle recently. I, I think it may be a bad thing though. I haven't done the numbers, but I think there may have, <laughs> I think I may have heard that there's there's a bit of a uh, curse going on there, but. Uh, I don't know for sure, and I don't. Uh, all fighters uh, that listen to this podcast uh, ignore what I just said there, because um, or Dan will have uh, no interviews coming up. So, <laughs> Bahamondes, uh, he's making his debut. He's 11-3 with eight knockouts. He won on the Contender Series. He's won two straight fights. He is seven inches taller, seven inches of reach, yeah, 12 years younger, uh, more active striker. But we're talking very small sample size. Uh, striking grappling stats in his favor, but like I said, we're t- that's based on one fight. Minus 195. Um, tell me about this man, Dan, and are we picking him? I have my name penciled in underneath him, but I haven't seen him. I, I guess I probably saw him on the Contender Series, but I don't remember much uh, at this point in my life. Yeah, I, you know, and I saw him on the Contender Series, too, and to be honest with you, uh, I I wasn't particularly impressed with him. Uh, I, I saw the knockout he had, which was a front kick, and as you know, if you front kick somebody in the teeth, uh, you get a contract. It doesn't matter if you fought, like, one of the worst fights ever before that, which he didn't fight one of the worst fights ever, but I just wasn't very impressed with him leading up to that. 
Um, and then he lands the front kick and he gets the contract. So, uh, you know, he he's a killer, bro. He's a killer. Right. And, and that's what he's going to say. Right. And that was on, uh, the same card that had Luis Saldana, who I just mentioned being an absolute killer. Yep. Uh, Carl Solberg, who, who I thought, uh, you know, was going to do better in his debut than he did. Um, and Jared Vandero was on that card too. They just gave, you know, contracts to everybody. So, um, I actually think that this is a bad matchup for him because he's a guy who likes to do a lot of spinning, flashy strikes, and he's going up against a guy with, a you know, like 85 different striking black belts and John McDessey, right? Like he's got like a taekwondo and a karate and this and a that. He's got 23 kickboxing fights on his record. He's been in the UFC. I don't think people realize how long John McDessey has been around. He made his UFC debut at UFC 124. George St. Pierre versus Josh Koscheck in 2010. He, he's been in the UFC for over a decade. I just think that this feels like one of those matchups where the prospect just kind of stepped in a little bit too much. Um, because, he, like I said, he's a guy who mostly strikes. He's going up against a guy who's got a good striking background. Uh, he's got he's going up against a guy who's been striking with guys like Cowboy Cerrone and, and you know, the likes of Alex Oliveira and, and people like that. So... I think Matt Desi should be able to handle him here. I, I think all of that spinning stuff is just going to make him look silly against Matt Desi, and I expect Matt Desi to, to just do the more technical thing, land the leg kicks and, and get it done here. Let's do it, Dan. Let's go with a Canadian for once. I always go against him. Let's, let's do it, since I really know not, not much about this this man whose name is hard to say. Um, <laughs> let's go with McDessie, since he, he uh, I think he trains in the States now anyway, so he's not really Canadian he, anymore, he, right? He, trains, he now trains at uh, the MMA lab along with, right. um, there's a UFC gym right next to the MMA lab, and he uses a kickboxing coach from uh, Mexico at the UFC lab. And if I know one thing, I know Dan loves the MMA lab. Yeah, I do love the MMA lab. Not as I, I will say, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious here. Not as much as I love Fortis MMA. If there's a Fortis MMA fighter, I sure. pretty much always take them, except for when I take their opponent and they're a plus two seventy five underdog. Uh, uh, <laughs> was that planned, Dan? It was not planned. I just it yeah. just came to me like a like a gift from the sky. Yeah, it couldn't it couldn't have been planned because I you didn't know what I was going to say, did you? Are you in my head, Dan? I, I'm, if I am, I'm doing a really good job of hiding it until that moment. Are you even are you even real? I wonder that the one time Dan sent me the uh, the podcast and I listened back to it and it was nothing but my voice on it and that really <laughs> threw me for a loop. Thinking all this time I've been talking to nothing, the imaginary person in my head, but nonetheless he, he claims that he's uh, he's an actual person and stuff. All right, about to pick. We're both going McDessie in this one. Um, I do need some underdogs. What fourteen fight card? We're gonna. You take about five or six hundred, five or six hundred, maybe five underdogs to come through. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be that chalky in this this uh, night, but I mean, I don't think I'm going to be that unchalky, but we'll see. Uh, Dan's got a couple already, which is good. All right, um, not filibustin. Let's move on. Um, women's bantamweight um, debut in Aaron Blanchfield versus Norma Dumont Vienna. We'll just call her Norma Dumont, though, um, going forward. Blanchfield is making her debut on short notice, so that's a couple of things to keep in mind there. Uh, she is 6-1 with two knockouts and one submission, uh, never been finished in a fight. She is making her debut, like I said, on short notice, but she is uh, not short on top-level experience in this fight, only having seven fights. She's uh, had five fights in Invicta, uh, the largest women's fighting league in, in the world, and she won four of them. So she's 4-1 in Invicta, which is very impressive. Uh, she's also won three straight fights, 
and she's nine years younger. Uh, so she's got a lot of things in her favor. Um, also, if you like her, she's plus 200. So that's another thing in her favor. Um, Dumont, though, 5-1 and one is a pro with two submissions, 1-1 one and one in the UFC. She won her last fight after she lost her debut to Megan Anderson, I believe. Uh, three, three inches taller, minus 250. Um, before I make her picks, I'll say you probably want to pick this one decision because neither of them are massive finishers. Um, I'll let Dan make his pick first in this one. I, first of all, let, let me start here. I, I love Aaron Blanchfield. I think she's a phenomenal prospect. I, I think, you know, getting snatched up at 21 while might not be good for some prospects. I, I put her almost in the Miranda Maverick uh, avenue that, like, you know, Miranda Maverick's, what, 22? She belongs in the UFC, and she belongs in right. the top 10 of her division. I, I think Blanchfield fits that description. I think at 21 it's not too early to sign her. But I just think this was the worst possible way you could have worked her into the UFC. She's she's 21. She's coming to the UFC. And for her first fight, you give her no training camp. And you pull her up a weight class to somebody who used to fight even a weight class higher than that. Right? Like Norma Dumont, like you said, fought Megan Anderson right. up at, at featherweight. And she's right. – so a former featherweight is fighting a current not, – not a former, a current flyweight. Like I, I guarantee all of Aaron Blanchfield's fights after this – are going to be at women's flyweight. So so for those reasons, like, I'm already concerned, first and foremost. And secondly, I'm concerned because Erin Blanchfield uses a lot of her physicality and strength. At flyweight, she's a very strong fighter. The only person she's really had trouble with at that weight has been Tracy Cortez, and I actually think she beat Tracy Cortez in that fight. It did go down as a loss, but I had her on the judges' scorecards in the first and third round. But, like, the, the one problem she had with Tracy Cortez is Cortez could match her strength. And that was at flyweight. Norma Dumont is very strong for bantamweight. She's a very large bantamweight. She fit into women's featherweight quite well. So I'm worried about that size and that physicality if they do lock up in a clinch. And if they don't lock up in a clinch, I actually kind of like Dumont striking here better than I like Blanchfield's too. So um, I, I'm going to give the nod here to Dumont just because, you know, the, the youth here is probably not a benefit. The short camp, uh, you know, going up a weight class, all of those are red flags to me. So I'm going to stick with Dumont. Yeah, I totally whiffed on, on the weight class thing, but yeah, very true. Um, I was I was leaning Dumont also as it was um, for basically all, all the same reasons. Um, debut at short notice, and um, Dumont is nothing to sneeze at. She's a, she's a good fighter. Um, so we will agree on that one. Um, boom, boom, boom. Lightweight, Scott. Hot Sauce Holtzman versus Matias Gamrot. Um, Holtzman's Hot Sauce, right? I got that right. Yeah, right? yeah. He's he's one of I the many. There's multiple Hot Sauces, right? Because Trevor Hot Sauce Smith is Hot Sauce as well. Right. Maybe they're different flavors, perhaps. <laughs> I, I haven't smelled one of, or, one of them's or the, tasted the, out of these men. So. One of them's the Dustin Poirier flavor. Oh, yeah, Dustin plays all about hot sauce, too. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see the rabbit holes we've fallen down in this uh, podcast. That's why we're uh, recording an hour and a half uh, podcast at this point. Okay, let's speed it up, guys. Lightweight. Um, let's talk about Mr. Hot Sauce first. Hot Sauce part, whatever, one, two, three, whatever you want to call them. 14 and four. Five knockouts, two submissions. So he finished about half, uh, or exactly half his fights. He's seven and four in the UFC. He's been around forever. He got knocked out his last fight. He's two and two over his last four. He's more active striker of the two. He's at plus one eighty. Uh, Gamrot seventeen and one with one no contest, five knockouts, four submissions, never been finished. 
in one in UFC, uh, inch taller, inch of reach, seven years younger, minus 230. I was thinking Holtzman, but no, I, I think I got to go um, Gamrot in this one. Yeah, well, and first of all, his loss in the UFC is an excusable one. He he fight Guram Kutataladze. Ooh, almost messed that up, but I caught myself. Kutataladze. So he fought Kutataladze, who I think people are going to realize is a really tough loss, and and a, a lot of people had him neck and neck with Kutatalate in that fight, too, that he might have even won. Even beyond that fight, if we look at Scott Holtzman and, and pretty much how you can draw the path to victory in every single one of his fights, it's can this guy take hot, hot sauce down? If it's yes, then he loses. Can this guy not take hot sauce down? Then he wins two out of every three. Uh, and, and, you know, like that's basically how it goes down. I love Holtzman. I think his striking's good. I just think Gamro is a great freaking wrestler, and, and Gamrot's going to take him down repeatedly as much as he wants. There you go. Um, we are both going with Gamrot in this one. Um, another, I, w- I would have liked to take a underdog, but um, maybe I'll take one of the next fight because one of my favorites is fighting. We'll see. That would be the headliner of the prelim portion lightweight battle between Jim Miller, who I have a soft spot for, and Joe Selecki, uh, Miller. Um, he was scheduled to fight what, Bobby Green, what, a month or two ago? And that fight fell through. Now he's got uh, a young a prospect fight here. Um, so Miller has been around forever. He's got 32 wins, four knockouts, 18 submissions. Uh, he's 3-2 over his last five, lost his last fight. Got an inch of reach here. He's at plus 180. He has been in the UFC. I'm just checking because I forgot to write this down. He's been in the UFC since UFC 89. So take that, whoever you were talking about earlier. McDessie, take that. UFC 89, October 18th, 2008. Um, he's been a pro since 2005. So he's been around quite a, lo- a while. He's actually ha- He has the most fights in the UFC history, right, at this point? Yes, or one behind somebody. but like Cerrone, maybe? Cerrone, I, yeah. I think... There's some other people right up there. But, yeah, he, he's neck and neck with Cerrone. Yeah, because he's always been – he's been around forever, and he's always been fighting. He basically doesn't really take time off. Um, so, anyhow, uh, he is fighting a youngster, uh, Joe Selecki, 10-2, and two, one knockout, seven submissions. So we're talking a couple grapplers here, which should be fine, which means we'll probably turn it into a, a striking, boring striking fight. Um, he's 2-0 in the UFC, 1-0 on the Contender Series. He's won five straight fights. He's an inch taller, 10 years younger. More active striker, uh, striking stats in his favor also, minus 230. I hate to go against Miller, but I am going against him here. Yeah, I'm going against him too. Uh, in, in, it's tough for me because you're right. Joe Selecki is a, a solid grappler, and this should be a fun grappling match. But if he, I, I just also feel like if Selecki doesn't want it to go to the ground, he has that choice. Um, which means if, yep. if it is that boring strikers match, which I actually don't think he's actually all that boring on the feet. I actually think he's... Uh, a pretty talented striker. I think he'll probably outstrike Miller on the feet. And also, I think if if he doesn't like what's happening on the feet, I could see him taking Miller down, and literally all he's got to do is stay safe on the ground. Right, right? Like, he doesn't have to do tons of damage. He doesn't have to try to submit Jim Miller. He doesn't have to try to do any of that stuff. He pretty much just has to go out there and do what Vince Fischel did, which was, you know, stay out of that one arm bar he throws up. And as long as you do that, you're going to control him because – He's not particularly great at sweeps, and because he loves his jiu-jitsu, sometimes he's not all that enthused or, or motivated to get back up. So 
I see this being a fight that, that Joe Selecki has a lot of control of where the fight goes. And so as long as he doesn't make that big mistake, I think this is his fight to win. And the age gap, it's it's a big concern. We're talking 10 years. Um, younger fighters win 60% of the time, but you rarely ever see one with a gap this this um, this severe. 10 years, um, younger. So, yeah, we're both going with Selecki. And uh, uh, one of our uh, team of production assistants uh, let me know that uh, Miller is tied for most fights in UFC history with Donald Cerrone. With, so this will put him into uh, solo possession of number one until Cerrone fights next. So there you go. Um, so that concludes the uh, prelim portion. Uh, let me tell you about a couple more sponsors, then we'll hit you with uh, the main card ad-free. Uh, first, uh, one of our home, um, our home, actually, not one of our homes, the home, SGP, uh, SGP Masters, let me tell you about. $500 winner-takes-all DFS contest for the Masters, completely free and easy to sign up. Take a screenshot of your review of the Golf Gambling Podcast, submit your review, and you'll get the contest link to enter. So pretty simple, uh, review the Golf Gambling Podcast, send us a screenshot, and you get a the secret ballot to enter our SGP Masters Contest. So you can do it all over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash masters, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash masters. And finally, betterland.vegas. Uh, betterland.vegas is like YouTube, but for what? Hashtag did Jens only care about, which is sports betting. We're giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. And same with Dan's other family at Top Turtle. They give out picks there, so make sure you check that out, too. And make sure, and make sure you check out this week to see if I actually did get a homemade haircut for my wife and how it looks. You never know. She may end up slipping and taking off my beard, too. You never know. Uh, so Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. Make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. So it will be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. All right. Main card. Uh, right now they have five fights listed. Uh, it was originally six, so they, one of those fights we just previewed may get bumped up to the main portion of ABC. We'll start with welterweights. Uh, hashtag Florida man. Mike Perry will be fighting Daniel Rodriguez. Um, Perry is 14 and 7 in the UFC, 11 knockouts. Seven, uh, not in the UFC. That's as a pro. Seven, seven in the UFC. Uh, he has been, he has fought quite a bit in the UFC. Um, he is one in three over his last four, including a loss in his last fight in which he missed weight, which is something of note here. Uh, he's five years younger than Rodriguez, surprisingly. Uh, he's at plus 142. As for Rodriguez, 13 and two with seven knockouts, four submissions, never been finished. Three and one in the UFC. He lost his last fight. Um, he went three straight in the UFC before that. He's one and oh on the contender series, one and oh in Bellator, three inches of height, three inches of reach. More action checker, grappling stats in his favor, minus 180. Um, I think this is a slam dunk pick for Rodriguez for me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely sold on it being a slam dunk pick. He, he is my pick. I, I'm going to go with Daniel Rodriguez. I like D-Rod. I think um, people sleep on his grappling and, and as good as it is uh, because, you know, he, he's fun to watch strike and he doesn't always go to that grappling. But he's a 10th planet guy, which I always give respect to. And, and when you're fighting Mike Perry, being a good grappler never hurts. Um, but the other thing I will say that makes me a little bit less confident in it being a slam dunk pick is that Mike Perry goes out there and throws bombs, right? And, and Daniel Rodriguez is not afraid to fight that fight and, and to go out and throw bombs. And not that I think that he's a huge knockout risk, because as you talked, you know, like he's not a guy who's been knocked out, but he is a guy who's been jumped, right? Like in that, that Dwight Grant fight, he was 
basically out. He won that fight in just over two minutes, but he was basically unconscious earlier than that. So it's not like he can't be knocked out or he's got some, like, incredible chin. And you are fighting Mike Perry and maybe don't have, like, the greatest... I mean, not that he has a bad chin, but, like, if you don't have the best chin and you're fighting Mike Perry, there's danger. Danger, danger. So uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Rodriguez, but I'm going to go with it tentatively. I think he does need to fight a smart fight here, use his physicality and his grappling a little bit. And I have enough faith that he does exactly that. Yeah, and Perry just seems, the wheels have seemed to have fallen off, and he's in life and in, and in the cage, and yeah, I, I have a hard time picking him for for any fight, any matchup. Um, he, he's in it at this point. So um, let's move into a hashtag mom fight. Um, this is actually becoming more uh, a more frequent occasion in the UFC. It used to be rare, but uh, we've got two moms going uh, at it in this one. Women's strawweight, Nina Ansaroff will be making her debut her return after having a baby with Amanda Nunes and Mackenzie Dern, who has already fought uh, since she gave birth. Um, let's break down the jujitsu wizard Dern first. She is 10 and one with six submissions. She's never been finished in a fight. Five and one in the UFC. Uh, she won three straight fights and she also was one and zero in Invicta before coming to the UFC. She's eight years younger than Nansarov. Uh, she's even muddy right now, plus 100. And Ansarov, 10 and 6 with four knockouts, two submissions. Uh, she's lost once by submission, so that's of note since Dern is a submission whiz here. Uh, four and three in the UFC. She lost her last fight. That was back in June of 2019. She also fought in Invicta once and won that fight. She's an inch taller, has an inch of reach, so not much uh, happening there. She's a more active striker, striking and grappling stats in her favor, minus 125. Um, I'm going to go with her in this fight. And I'm going to differ with you on this one. I'm going to take okay. Mackenzie Dern. Um, in, in the the other thing you'll see about this line too, if you're with me and you like Mackenzie Dern, give it a little while because the numbers have been uh, the the money is clearly going down on Nina Ansaroff. Um, you know, I I checked this line earlier in the week as I was getting ready to to put together um, the various other podcasts I do, and, and the numbers were even money. It, it was negative 110 to negative 110. Um, Dern, I've seen, uh, depending on what sports book you're looking at, is as high as plus 120 on some of them. Um, I, I think she's an interesting pick here because if you look at Ansaroff's background, she has been taken down before. Um, and, and not just by in her last loss by Tatiana Suarez, but if you go back, she's been taken down by, you know, random Marcos has taken her down, uh, you know, even Justine Kish got her down a bunch of times. Like, Nina Ansaroff does not have flawless grappling defense. Um, and, and against somebody like Mackenzie Dern, I really only think you have to be on the ground once. And, and I don't want to write, a, a, you know, I don't want to write her off for, for going on maternity leave as she essentially did. But, like, you know, that time off has an effect on her, right? Like, she she is not going to be the same fighter. We we actually saw the same exact thing with Mackenzie Dern, right? Mackenzie Dern's only loss in the UFC came after her long layoff when she had her kid, right? Um, she fought Amanda Cooper, looked amazing, rear naked choke victory. She came back and they gave her Amanda Hibas uh, off of, you know, over a year-long layoff. And she didn't do well in that, and since then she's looked like a murderer again, including beating Virna Jandaroba with her hands for the most part. So, you know, I'm a little bit worried about what that layoff means for Ansaroff because it's not just a layoff where she didn't compete. It's a layoff where she, you know, probably had to train less, especially in, in full contact. So I think between the layoff and the fact that I think Gern has a massive advantage if it ever hits the mat, I'm going to go with the underdog here. 
Yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I had a hard time picking this fight, but yeah, that's uh, all very solid points. And if Durham wins this fight, she's, you know, getting skyrocketed up to the top of the class, you'd think. Probably for sure. Big and, especially, for and especially because she's like, she's a picture of what the UFC wants to market to, right? She's like all over Instagram all the time, posting pictures all the time. She uh, is half Brazilian, half American, and she's got the Brazilian accent and uh, is a great gateway into to being marketable in both of those countries. So, like, yeah, I have to imagine if she wins this fight, she's on a very short list of people um, to fight whoever is the champion after the upcoming title fight. Yep, there you go. All right, uh, moving on to middleweight. Smiling Sam Alvey is dropping down to middleweight for the first time since 2017, which is Interesting, since he's one of our one of our questionable hashtag chunky guys. I think we're going to settle on he's a dad bod. I think right? yeah, he's got a he's got a hashtag dad bod. Okay, <laughs> uh, not chunky, but, but yeah, this is going to be interesting. Uh, him dropping down to uh, light heavyweight. He'll be fighting Julian Marquez, who does not have a dad bod. That's for sure, uh, and he's not a chunky guy. So um, Alvi thirty three fourteen and one <laughs> with one no contest. That is a lot of fights. This would be what this is his fiftieth fight, I guess, as a pro. Wow, amazing! Nineteen knockouts and three submissions. He's ten nine and one in the UFC. Um, he hasn't been around that long. He just fights nonstop. Uh, he was also in the Ultimate Fighter House. He was one on one in there. He also was one on one in Bellator. Listen to this record over his last five fights: zero oh, four and one. Um, so we thought the remedy to that would be to drop down to middleweight. So we'll see how that goes. Usually changing weight classes does not uh, fix people's problems. Um, aging fighters, that is. He's got three-inch reach on Marquez. He's got grappling stats in his favor also. He's at plus 155. The Cuban Missile Crisis, Marquez, 10-2 and two with six knockouts, two submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's taking this a short notice, so that is something of note. Uh, he's 2-1 in the UFC. He won his last fight back in February, so it's a quick turnaround also for him. He has also was on the Contender Series. He's won it all in the Contender Series. He also was in Bellator where he lost his only fight. Uh, he's four years younger. He's at minus 195, and uh, he is my pick in this one, for sure. And, and we're going to differ again. Oh, you're Smiling Sam. Smiling Sam Alvey coming off of five straight winless fights. That's right. I'm going to take him that way. And, and listen, this is why I'm going to take him. If you look at their last fights, Alvi has a draw against Down Jung, which, uh, you know, obviously doesn't look great. Marquez has a win over Maki Pitolo. And, and, yeah, it looks better in Marquez's favor if you talk about that fact versus, you know, the fact that Alvi's on a large streak. We'll call it a winless streak because the last one wasn't a loss. But also, Alvi looked good in that fight with Down Jung. He put a 10-8 third round on, on a light heavyweight guy who's undefeated. And we talked about earlier today, he he's tough. Uh, and so like that fight wasn't bad for Alvi. And I also think Alvi coming back down where the guys he's trying to knock out are a little bit smaller. I, I actually think that that bodes well for his power because he's a counter striker. He wants to just land the big shot. Uh, and when you're doing that with other big boys who have heavy fists, that, that's maybe not so easy to do. So I, I like him for that reason. And also I will say I was not impressed with, with Julian Marquez's last performance. The dude got beat up by Maki Pitolo for two rounds, right? Maki Pitolo took it to Julian Marquez before he kind of gassed out and got choked out, right? And, and is this a fight where he is going to try to outlast Sam Alvey? That's not a good game plan. Is this a game where you're going to try to submit Sam Alvey? Like, the Sam Alvey not like a submission risk here. So, like, he's going to stand and trade with Sam Alvey and try to avoid the counter, but... 
I kind of like that kind of fight for Sam Alvey, especially now that he's back at middleweight, which, uh, let's be honest, I think is where he belonged all the time. I know that that's not a great way to save your career, but, like, he's belonged at middleweight forever. He's not a big enough guy to be at light heavyweight. So, I I really like this fight for Sam Alvey, and especially when you see the odds coming in where they're at, you know, in the plus 160 to 170 range. Well, he's Dan's come out and surprised me in the main card. He's swinging for the fences, taking a bunch of dogs here. This is uh, interesting. It's going to be a, a fun Saturday afternoon. Um, let's go with co-main event. This is a heck of a matchup and a hard one to to pick for me. Uh, featherweights, Arnold Allen, Sadiq Youssef. Um, Allen, 16-1 and one, with five knockouts, four submissions. He's never been finished in his fights. He's got one decision loss, uh, and that was not in the UFC because he's 7-0 and in the UFC, and he's won nine straight fights. He's been out of action since January of 2020, though, so we're talking a year and a bit. Um, he is a year younger than Youssef, so not much difference there. Grappling stats in his favor, he's at plus 112, so plus 112. Youssef, 11-1 as a pro with six knockouts, uh, six straight wins, all in the UFC. He's 6-0 and in the UFC. Uh, he's been, also been out since January 2020, so that's a wash there. Inch taller and inch of reach, so that's a wash pretty much, too. Uh, twice as active... Uh, Twice more active of a striker than Allen. He's at minus 140. Um, like I said, it's a tough one to pick, but I'm going with Youssef. We'll see if Dan's going for another dog here. I'm going for another dog here. I'm going to yeah, take Arnold absolutely. Allen. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I really do like Sadiq Youssef. I, I think he's a, a phenomenal prospect. There's like four or five guys right on the edge of the top 15 and top 10 in the featherweight division that are all undefeated in the UFC. It's these two, Movsar Evloev, uh, Bryce Mitchell, Ryan Hall, like all of those guys are killers. Um, and, and if you matched any two of them up, it would give you a match like this one that's really exciting to watch. The, the difference for me here is that you're, you're right. Sadiq Youssef is more active, but he also gets hit more often. Um, and that's my real worry here is, is that he is not as technically defensively sound. Um, as Arnold Allen is. And I think Arnold Allen keeps himself safer that way. Um, you know, you, you can see in the Sadiq Yusuf fight on the contender series, he got his leg jacked up pretty bad in that fight, right? Like, he could barely stand after the fight was over. And granted, it was against Mike Davis, who, who's now in the UFC and is doing quite well for himself. But, you know, Mike Davis is not Arnold Allen. Um, and, and I think Arnold Allen just has that ability to punish him and make him... Uh, make him pay for not being as defensively careful as he ought to be. Um, he could live behind that jab. Like you said, he's less active, but he uses some of the fundamentals of the striking a little bit better. He, he, he hangs out behind that jab. And I think if he does that and just sort of forces Sadiq Youssef to make enough mistakes and tags him on those, I, I think this is kind of Arnold Allen's fight to have. I will also say if he does decide to make this into something that involves grappling, actually like Arnold Allen in that department too. I don't think it will go that way, but I also think that that's just like another bullet he has in the holster. Yeah, no, Allen's definitely the uh, the superior grappler of the two. Um, as for, yeah, strikes absorb, uh, absorbed, like Dan said, Yusuf gets hit twice as often actually as as Allen. Uh, he, he may dish more out, but he gets hit uh, just as, um, basically their strike differential is exactly the same. Because um, he, he lands twice as often, but he also gets hit twice, twice as often. So we are differing again, which is good. Like I said, it's going to make uh, some nice, uh, fun day on Twitter on on Saturday. So, all right, let's go to the uh, makeshift main event. Um, middleweights, Marvin Matori versus it was supposed to be versus Darren Till until until Till uh, broke his collarbone. Um, Matori thinks that's 
questionable for some reason. He thinks he's dodging him, apparently, but okay. Um, he will be fighting Kevin Holland, of course, because if there is a hole in the fight card, Kevin Holland will fill it. Um, Holland, 21-6 and six as a pro. 12 knockouts, 5 submissions. He does have 2 submission losses, which is something of note. When, once I break down Vittori's stuff, you'll know why. He's 8-3 and three in the UFC, 1-0 in the Contender Series, 1-0 at Bellator. He lost his last fight, which was uh, famously last month. Um, Derek Brunson, where he got destroyed. Uh, so he's taking this on very short notice. He is 5-1 over his last six fights. Uh, he's three inches taller, seven inches of reach, uh, plus 240. Coming to this one, Vittori, 18-4-1 with two knockouts and nine submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's 6-2-1 in the UFC. He's won four straight fights. He's a year younger. He's slightly more active of a striker, but it's pretty much a wash there. Uh, he is a superior grappler, no, no doubt there. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 325. Uh, he's my pick. I don't like minus 325 in the lines, but he's my pick to win the fight. I don't even hate the 325 line, to be completely honest with you. Like, look, I like Kevin Holland. I'm glad he stepped up like we talked about before. The UFC should exhaust all their options in trying to find somebody that isn't Kevin Holland. But ultimately, there weren't any. Um, but, like, Kevin Holland is coming off of a fight with a guy who – if he's got better wrestling than Marvin Vittori, it's not much better, right? Like, Derek Brunson is a good, very good wrestler, and Marvin Vittori is a quite good wrestler, right? Like, they're both pretty good in the offensive sense, but they also have, like, very similar styles once they get down. They're very hard guys to get out from underneath. They've got good positional awareness. They do hit you a fair amount. Like, this is just a terrible fucking matchup for, for Kevin Holland to step back in. And I get why he's doing it, right? Like, it's his chance to make himself relevant again after a very ugly loss that, that clearly pissed his boss off. But ultimately, he's just stepping into that same exact fight. I think it's going to look the same. But I also think Marvin Vittori is probably going to go out there and finish him. Uh, because, remember, Vittori thinks he he deserves the next title shot. If he had beaten Darren Till, he might have gotten it. Now suddenly he's got to fight a guy way down on the rungs of the ladder that just got manhandled by Derek Brunson. He's going to go out there looking to do worse than Derek Brunson did, to, to make it look even worse uh, for Kevin Holland. And, and I think if he does that, uh, he's probably still not going to hit the title shot, but I think he's going to try to do that. But Kevin Holland's not going to talk as much, he says. I don't care if he's talking. The, the thing is about Kevin Holland is, is that like people liked to play off the fact that he was talking as part of the issue. And, and I get that that's like a fun narrative and stuff like that. But like literally you guys were like, it's great when he was talking and winning. But when he's losing, he's also talking. In other words, what you're telling me is it's got nothing to do with how he's performing. He's just talking, and he's always going to do that. And it doesn't matter if he's winning or losing. It just looks bad when he's losing, right? And it's not the first time he's done it either. He did it to Tiago Santos way back when before he had this long win streak, and nobody really saw it as all that much of a problem back then. It, it, it's and, and to be honest with you, I don't even think it's a problem. Like, it's how he keeps himself loose or whatever. His problem was he never tried to stand back up after getting taken down. Like, that's a problem you have to fix. And whether he's talking or not, I don't think he gets back up. Exactly. Yeah, the talking is not the issue here. Um, it just is so striking because you don't see that in yeah, the cage. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're getting your, your butt handed to you like he was. So, all right. So we're going to agree on that. But, we yeah, we got a lot of different um, – a lot of different choices, especially in the, in the main cards. So make sure you're following Jeff Fox, writer and 
Gumby Vreeland on Twitter because I'm sure there'll be some back and forth, um, especially if, if I'm getting the upper hand here. Uh, if I'm not getting the upper hand, then uh, I'm going to be quiet. So, um, no, we, I think we already gave you lots of props as we were going through that. Is there any other props we didn't hit on, you think, that should be highlighted? Um, so I do really like Marvin Vittori uh, by finish, if you want to try okay. to find that prop out there. I, I think that that's one – uh, that that seems almost like a uh, can't miss to me. Um, you know, like n- not that it's a can't miss because this could go the distance. Um, but but Marvin Vittori by by knockout is plus five hundred. Um, and, and you know for me that that's pretty nice. Um, so I, I like that. Um, you know we mentioned earlier on um that I that we liked. Um, Platnikov versus Kasangane to go the distance. Neither of them particularly great finishers. I think that that one sticks out too. Um, and, and I also like somebody like um, I, I take Matt Matrus Gamrot for a decision as well. You know, not that like people love making props that are all decisions, but like it's probably going to decision there uh, because you know Holtzman is a tough guy. He's tough to get out of there, and you know like. Gamrot winning by decision is is probably going to give you plus money, despite the fact he's like a negative two ten two twenty favorite. So, you know, maybe if you want to make that a little bit sweeter, that's the right way to do it. All right, there you go. Um, we always want to make it our the bat sweeter. Um, all right, now let's go with our locks. Uh, I am to remind everyone, I am undefeated on locks, um, and Dan is not undefeated on locks. I'm four and zero, oh, and Dan is one and three. Uh, I. Th- think you've got first pick this week though dan so let's let's make it count uh let's see what do i want to go with my pick here uh you gotta put, you gotta put more thought in this if you're just doing it on a whim come on no wonder yeah you i thought that. i thought you had first pick for some reason no, whatever uh, i guess i'm gonna take louis saldana i, I think uh, louis saldana is probably gonna piece up jordan griffin and as i said earlier in the show the price is right on that one yep i i was gonna take that i should have given myself first pick but what, nonetheless um uh, I'll take Jack Shore. Uh, he's at minus 150 also. Um, that's that's a good enough line for, for me, for my locks. So locks are Jack Shore over Hunter Azur and Luis Saldana over Jordan Griffin. I think we both agree on those two as locks, right? Yeah, and, and that's yeah. – uh, if you were going to pick first and take Saldana, I'm, I'll be honest, I was going to – you know, Jack Shore was also my pick. Boom, there you go. All right, um – That'll do it. You people have had enough. You've had enough of us in your dirty ear holes, as I like to say. So, uh, as I said earlier, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer, uh, Gumby Vreeland. You can join in on the trash talking Saturday afternoon when this event takes place. Uh, make sure you listen to Dan's other podcast, Top Turtle MMA. Who's on it this week, Mr. Vreeland? Uh, on it this week, uh, and somewhat sadly, because uh, while we were taping, uh, the fight got canceled. Uh, it just posted earlier today that uh, with interviews with both Chase Sherman and Parker Porter, uh, who who were scheduled to fight next weekend against one another, uh, and that fight has since been canceled. Parker Porter no, no, long, no longer fighting. So uh, when you talked before about being on my show being a jinx, there you go. Uh, apparently it is. There, there, there goes part of the order. But I will tell you the good news is, and, and you'll enjoy my breakdown next week, uh, Mr. Jeff Fox, because now Chase Sherman is fighting wh- who's my favorite heavyweight in the whole wide world. <laughs> uh, let me think. There's, yeah, I'm, I was, I'm still um, 
thinking of Porter and Sherman because that was going to be like a, a good chunky guy fight. No, uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, let me think. Another heavyweight who's a chunky guy. No, no, he's guy? not a he's not a chunky guy, but he is my favorite heavyweight. You know uh, this. Andre Arlovski is your favorite uh, heavyweight. Andre Arlovski is not no, really? Sherman. Oh, he's taking a short notice fight. Wow, imagine that. Yeah. Huh. So, unfortunately, my interview with Parker Porter, maybe not the most relevant thing anymore. The one with Chase Sherman is still uh, a pretty good listen, so uh, I'd make sure to check that out. All right, awesome. So make sure you check out that. Check out the prelim picker, too. Um, see if Dan has all the same picks as he does on our podcast. Um, I did. I didn't, wait, I didn't waffle once this week. All right, <laughs> awesome. And then, off, obviously, check out our Fight Week uh, stuff over at MMA-Manifesto.com. I just... Um, posted a breakdown of Luis Saldana that Dan wrote. So make sure you check that out um, for all you Luis Saldana marks out there. And uh, obviously check out sportsgamblingpodcast.com, which is our mothership. Um, having, like I said, minimal pre-production, so I didn't really – I didn't come up with a, a sign-off to the podcast. I, I was still in Sean Green's uh, saying let it ride and stuff, and I was doing motorhead. Um, so I don't have anything planned for this week, so I think I'm just going to end it like this.